Hello there, and welcome to the Unfuck Your Biz with Brayden podcast, a show to encourage and empower creative CEOs just like yourself through actionable legal, tax, and financial topics. I'm Brayden Drake, an author, lawyer, tax pro, and educator, but you can just call me Brayden, your gay best friend, here to help you unfuck that biz. If you're ready to dive in, grab a notebook, maybe some coffee, and buckle in to learn how you can implement solid strategies to build a profitable business. Alrighty, friends, welcome back to the podcast. As always, this is your host, Brayden. And today I am joined by a new good friend of mine, David Schwartz, the owner of Orion Entertainment. How are you doing, David? I'm doing fabulous. Thank you for having me on the show. Of course. Very excited to have you here. Now, we met last, it feels like a long time ago, but it was just last month at Wedding yeah. MBA in Las Vegas. Yeah. At Magianos, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. Mistaken. At Magianos. Um, our good friends Renee and Amber are making connections all over the place with their wedding NBA kickoff party. I interviewed uh, Desiree last week from the Makery. Do you know her? Um, I don't think so. Oh, okay. Well, you can tune into that episode and learn all about her business. She owns a bakery in um, in Denver. So, or is she in Denver? She's in Colorado, somewhere in Colorado, but I'm pretty sure Denver. Um, all right, uh, David, you want to just kick us off by, uh, since I didn't actually read a proper proper bio or anything, you want to just tell us a little bit more about you and your business, where you're located, all that good stuff? Sure. Um, so I'm located in Seattle, Washington. Well, technically Everett, Washington, which is about 30 minutes north of Seattle for those who are unfamiliar. Um, I've been a professional DJ since I was 18 when I uh, started at the University of Washington. Uh, kind of just started doing frat parties and that was where I really learned how to DJ. Um, but then I was always doing it with a private events focus. So I was doing that. And then I was also uh, seeking out opportunities on campus for uh, private events and weddings and um, also uh, building that side of the business from the get-go. So, Okay, cool. So were you uh, like full-time DJ right out of college then, or did you start with a uh, different job somewhere else? Yeah. So I tried to uh, apply for jobs upon my graduation because I just figured that was the thing that I was supposed to do. And I started looking into those opportunities and um, I kept, uh, I heard no like three or four times and I kept looking at the starting salaries that I was applying for and realizing how much of my time I was going to have to invest to this only to receive the same or less pay than I was already making. And so I was like, what am I doing? And why am I lying to these people telling them I have time for this? And so I just kind of, um, what was your degree and what kind of jobs were you? Applying? Yeah. So I majored, uh, in international studies at the university of Washington, like kind of international poli side type of stuff. Oh, nice. And um, I had a minor in entrepreneurship uh, because the business school at UW uh, didn't think my fledgling DJ business was good enough for them. Hmm. So I did not get into the business school, but I did get to minor in entrepreneurship. And uh, that was definitely my, my passion. Oh, wow. So our story, this is really funny. Our stories are like, they're actually very similar because I started out as a business major, did not get into business school. And then I ended up majoring in political science and I double majored in Russian language and then I wow. majored in German and business. So cool. same thing. I thought I would end up like in uh, like international policy of some kind. And then, yeah, I wanted to go like work at the state department or something. Yeah. That seemed yeah. like a good idea. But then by the time I graduated, which was 20, oh goodness, uh, 2017, I was not particularly thrilled at who was in charge of the State Department. So I decided yeah. that that was- You graduated from college in 2017? I did. <laughs> okay. I think I just assumed you were like closer to my age, but this is a little bit, little bit younger, a little bit younger. Um, okay, awesome. So you start, so then you ended up, you ended up starting full-time as it, well, it sounds like you were already doing it, maybe not full-time, but as like a pretty full-time. I was, yeah. So, I mean, I, I kind of just went a little bit insane my freshman year of college and like, I was just, I hit this quarter life crisis and was just like, this is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. I know it. I'm certain uh -huh. I'm going to be a DJ mom. And I gave her this whole, you know, business plan and whatnot. Cause I knew for my nice Jewish mother, I had to have a rational approach to my insane, you know, music dream. And uh, so 
she she bought into it and she supported me but uh yeah i mean it was i was very fortunate to you know i you can always look back and be like ah, i wish i started in high school i wish i did this even younger and i'd be this much farther ahead uh, but i was definitely really fortunate to have started when i did because by the time i turned 22 i had built a little bit of an infrastructure i already had a client base i had a website i had a little bit of uh, social media know-how. So it was like, I kind of hit the ground running. It wasn't like I graduated college and then I started, I already had four years of yeah. experience, client connections, industry knowledge. Like I was really lucky to kind of jump into, um, my professional career with a really solid foundation that I built for myself. It was that an easy sell for mom. Uh, well, so the self for mom came, I think, I mean, it was, I just vividly remember this very validating moment. It was like my, ooh, I think it was my 22nd birthday. I could be wrong on this, but she bought me like a MacBook, which was something I um, couldn't afford at the time and was uh -huh. huge for a DJ because you need processing power and having a Mac is very, very, very helpful for that. Mm -hmm. And um so that I, I just kind of like cried at the dinner table because I was like, they believe in me. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I think it was, I, I mean, at the start, she was like, okay, you cute little college kid, like, we'll see where sure. this goes. Yeah. Um, but, and, and I think that has kind of, I mean, I still have friends in college who are like, wow, I can't believe you're still doing this. And I'm like, yep, <laughs> here we I'm are. Making and like actually making money. Do they still, do you have friends who still just like think it's like a hobby and you're like, just oh, yeah, I mean, I mean, they don't think it's a hobby now because they like see what I do online for the most part. But it is funny when like I bump into someone at like I did one of my college friends weddings and then the way one of them like kind of talked to me about it was just like, oh, like, well, yeah, you're doing this as like a real thing. I'm like, yeah, I've been doing this as a real thing since like, I met you. Uh -huh. um, it's just always and, the unintentional tone of condescension that they like don't. Yeah, yeah, I did have I did have a cousin once uh, ask me if I was still playing DJ, and I was like, yeah, like no, yeah, I'm yeah. just this is like actually a valid way to make a living. But mm -hmm. yeah, I I feel that obviously like uh, most of my well everyone that I went to law school with they know that I'm a lawyer, right? But then they're uh, I've actually had someone say like, oh, are you still doing that like internet thing? where you like market on Instagram and stuff. And I'm like, uh-huh, yep. Uh, so did you have, did you have many small business owners or entrepreneurs in your family? Oh, totally. So my mom oh, okay. was, a, was a business owner. She actually spent most of her career in uh, travel marketing, like working for a DMO. And then she owned an advertising business. Um, but I think one of the most inspirational things that she did was start uh, the travel guide to the United States. So the actual official U.S. tourism magazine nice. that is still in circulation was actually started by my mom. Uh, it was a different uh, ownership at the time. The U U.S. government basically bought her out and like kind of screwed her over. But nice. uh, <laughs> uh, so but uh, so she was actually really hesitant to kind of support my entrepreneurial adventures because she uh, had a lot of roadblocks and obstacles and that kind of uh, made her path difficult and you know got them into certain situations as that whole kind of mess with that magazine yeah. ended up not working out so hot in our favor but i was always just like so impressed by her and i remember um my uh this was weeks after i graduated we went straight to montreal for this business conference i was because i knew i either wanted to do like what i was doing or maybe travel marketing um because i thought that's a sweet gig um and uh i just remember her kind of going walking right up to these ceos and these like really big wig type of people in public settings and just calling them out and like looking them dead in the eye and just like i was like god damn i didn't realize like how much of a badass you were mom and so i think ever since then i was like uh and so the whole orion entertainment thing is kind of a um, homage to my parents because uh, they worked really, really hard to get what they have. And um, I always wanted to aspire to that. So when I was 18 uh, and I was just starting everything, I would finish up with a gig and then I would kind of look up at the sky and I was so cheesy, but I, I would get out of the gig and I would just see Orion and I'd be like, and I just hear my dad say, look, there's Orion. Cause he always uh -huh. used to point it out in the night sky. And so every, it still happens like half the year. I just look up and I go, there you are.
So. Yeah, that's that's awesome. I always get it was like I, I don't think my I don't think my husband gets it, but I always get really excited to see all the stars when I go back to Indiana to visit family. Because here in California, we can't really can't really mm. see a whole lot. Yeah, we still get pretty awesome night skies up here, and I'm yeah. I'm a little bit farther out of the city, so you you see stars pretty frequently. Yeah, and Orion is visible 365 days a year, isn't it? I don't think so. I'm no. pretty sure it's, um, uh, I could be wrong about this, but I'm pretty sure it is like fall winter and, okay. uh, and that tracks because that's when I started the company in October of 2013. So that would be what I was looking at night sky wise. And I do remember towards the end of summer, uh, not being able to see it anymore. And then it pops yeah. up every fall. So nice. I, when I was in third grade, I wanted to be an astronomer. So this is a fun conversation for me. Yeah, I, I and then I realized that it's like biologist. all math. <laughs> what? Then I wanted to be a marine biologist when I was. Oh, there you go. One. There you go. My sister used that as her reason to move to like South Florida for college, and that major lasted like I don't think a full semester. Um, <laughs> okay. Uh, before we get into our PNL, I'm curious just for some background before we like share top line revenue for 2022. Can you tell us a little bit about like your first full year of business? when was that 2017 or 2018? Um, my first like full year of business. So it, the business did support me. I've always had like other jobs. So I, uh -huh. while I was doing this full time, I think I was also working in radio for a little bit. Um, but I think my first full, full year must have been the year after I graduated. So like 2018, and then mm -hmm. 2019 and then 2020 everything went to shit right. and then uh 20 yeah so I guess that's crazy because in my head it had been so many years but it'd probably only been like two full years of you know this full is time. the only thing I'm yeah. doing and supporting myself with so 20 and then and then pandemic and then right. the rest of you know so what are. did 2018 <laughs> look like do you know what your revenue was for 2018 can pull it up really quick I hope let me see if I can run a quick square report for you but I do know that you know what we're looking at today versus what we're looking at then is it's an insane <laughs> well that's why we like to show the perspective right you know show the growth trajectory is always fun I can definitely pull this up for you. okay so we'll pull it up uh, meanwhile while you're doing that do you mind if I just share some of your 2022 numbers yeah go for it Okay, so we have um, top line revenue, uh, $459,000. Now you sent this to me like beginning of December, so a little, a little bit higher probably by the end of the year. So, but about 400, we'll just round to 450. Hopefully you don't mind if I round down a little bit. Um, okay. Total profit, $112,000. Now that comes after salary. So we're going to talk about that. Um, but we have lots of numbers here. Lots of fun expenses we can talk about. So that'll be um, all in good fun. So that's our context for 2022. Um, so let me know when we have 20. I, I have it. Yeah. Okay, it's actually better than I thought it would be. Uh, we had a total uh, sales of $132,966. And I, I remember that first year hitting the $100,000 mark and being like, holy shit, like yeah. I, I definitely, this is a thing. I could do this. Made so. some money. Um, were you the only person working in your business that year? I've always had other folks working with me. Um, I've never had, um, I only had a partner when I started, but that person fizzled out very quickly and we decided to go different directions quite early on. And then I kind of had different almost pseudo partners at times that mm -hmm. were kind of very like I don't know I was very naive in my early business relationships and like obviously learned a lot and uh so now the primary person who works with the company is my fiance mm -hmm. um so and he just he does a lot of stuff with us but I for the most part it was me and uh you know other people that I was were those other people like booking gigs and doing DJ work or were they more like, yeah. um, so yeah, I mean, I've always, so I've always been what's called a multi-op DJ ever since I went full-time, which means I book out multiple DJs. So yes, to answer that question, I had, um, I think in 2018, I had my first, uh, second person that I was booking and, uh, filling their calendar, um, you know, were they bringing in a lot of stuff by themselves? No, I've pretty much always been the one that's 
providing the opportunity and and giving the gigs out as opposed to like people really hauling in new clients and right. bringing in new opportunities. But, have you ever had anyone on as an employee to do that? Or have they all been like contractor freelancers? Yes. So this is a huge year for us. This is the first year we transitioned everyone from contractors to employees. And that has worked really, really well. So uh, we had six headliners this past summer. Uh, we'll probably, we're, we're kind of comfortable with where we're at right now, uh -huh. as far as how many DJs we'd like to book on a certain day. And that's anywhere from four to five on the high end. Uh, right now, uh, in the off season, you know, it's rare that we would do more than three events in a day, but like this week is just bonkers because holiday parties and whatnot. And yeah. then it's going to go crickets again until, you know. Okay. Well, let's dig into that because I actually am planning, I've talked about this a little bit, but I'm actually planning on doing a series on like contractor versus employee in the new year, probably in February. And I find so many people have such a huge resistance to hiring because they think it's going to be like so complicated to hire people and so much more difficult to manage them. And they're going to have to pay like so much more money. So there's all these objections, but legally speaking, in a lot of States, if you have someone performing, like if you're a photographer, you can't hire photographers on as contractors on an ongoing basis. Like they really have to be employees. Same thing with DJs. So I feel like I need to talk about that more because it's an issue that um, I think is going to start to bite some people in the ass. So what, uh, what was kind of your catalyst to start to hire these people and how's it, how's it going? Yeah. Well, I, I should say to your point, it is not the easiest thing we've ever done, right? Like it was, <laughs> okay. a, lot of, it was a lot of upfront work. It was a lot of systems. We, you know, we've gotten new softwares and had to, you know, kind of restructure some aspects of the business in order to make that happen. But once that work is done, it streamlines everything and it actually makes your processes much more uh, straightforward and simple. Uh, it's just creating that system and having something that works. Uh, that's kind of hard to figure out. At, at so the which, start, this, like, which system in particular? Yeah. So, uh, I mean, uh, like our payroll system. So we didn't have uh -huh. like a real payroll system before we were using like Venmo and we were using, you know, checkbooks and whatnot. Um, but we work with a really awesome HR consultant named, uh, Jennifer Harris. And if anyone needs a, a small business HR consultant, she's an incredible resource, but she talked to us, basically we're chatting with her and she's like, these people are not contractors, David. They're using your equipment. They're driving your car. They're doing all these things that mm -hmm. destroy the uh, threshold of contractor versus employee. And like these people are working for you. There's no doubt about it. They're not independent contractors. Now we had certain contractors that we were working and she was like, okay, well, they're supplying their own equipment. They're driving their own car. They're, you know, managing most of the stuff on their own. So there were a few people that still qualified and we kind of so what I say too for DJs is there's kind of two schools of thought with it, right? You can either hire a DJ who is fully, uh, you know, trained uh, either by themselves or someone else, and they provide all their own equipment, they provide their own transportation, they deal with the clients, they have their own planning softwares, like they have all this stuff on their own. And all you're doing is really connecting the DJ to the client and providing them with um, a connection. Whereas what we do primarily now. And that's kind of how we used to do it. We used to work with DJs who were already pros and we would bring them in and I had, uh, and, 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 and that worked for the time and it helped us understand how to run multiple events simultaneously. Um, but from a management standpoint, it was difficult to kind of really create a brand and loyalty to that brand and a style of what we do um, and, a, and a uniformity to what we do. Um, and now the majority of the people we work with, we train up from literally baby DJ mm -hmm. who maybe doesn't even know how to string two tracks together. And we turn them into a fully functioning, uh, you know, DJ and master of ceremonies. We provide all of the um, planning tools, the uh, equipment, the, the vehicles as well. And so we used to not have as many cars, right? Like now we have three business cars that we use. So they come to the house, they pick up a fully loaded vehicle with everything they need in it. And then they drive to the event. Uh, they pick up their assistant on the way and then they do the event and they drop everyone off and they come home and then they drive themselves back. So it's now we just have these efficient systems in place and we, and we have a really rigorous training system uh, to kind of mold everybody into the Orion style of, of DJMC that we're looking for and that we want to put out into the world. 
Um, and those systems, you know, that takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of trial and error. Um, and then on top of that, figuring out, okay, how do we turn these people from co contractors? Because we were doing all of that. We were figuring out how to make this transition and how do we turn that into, you know, kind of a percentage-based pay model to an hourly-based pay model that makes sense and still makes people want to work for us. And um, so, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's taken a, like the whole time <laughs> I've been doing this almost 10 years now to really, uh, have a good system in place uh, that allows for new people to come in and learn from the people that we've previously trained um, and get them to the point where they need to be in so that we can send them out and uh, book them for events. Do you find, I feel like a really common objection I hear, especially from, I feel like a, from a lot of photographers, but planners and other wedding professionals as well, is, you know, most of the time when you start your company, you're the face of the business. And mm -hmm most folks think, well, if clients are coming in, they're only going to want to work with me. Did you yeah. ever have that issue? Is that something that you thought about? Is Absolutely. It still, is it still uh, yes, most definitely. Um, that was by far one of the most challenging things as well. And it's funny because, you know, my, my name's literally on the marquee, like it's Orion Entertainment. I'm Orion the DJ. So of course, when people come to us and they they maybe they found us on Instagram, right? And they, you know, so it's like trying to, one big focus for us right now is like trying to, it's it's difficult still because I I did invent this brand and, and there is a level of quality that is attached to my name as a performer and, and the service that I'm able to deliver. But how do I transition that to the people who work for me and how do I, um, get that to transfer over to them. Uh, that is a super, super challenging thing. So one thing we did um, that has helped a lot with that is the way we actually sell our DJ service. So now you can either uh, come on board and you can book our essential package and what we do what's called headliner assignment. So if you go for our essential package, which is basically the same thing as our middle tier. Mm -hmm. um, and it's very inclusive service. But the only thing they don't get to do at that level is pick who the DJ is. Gotcha. So we take that option away from them. And the way we proposition it, and it's completely true, is give us all your music requests, tell us everything about your event, and let us connect you with the DJ MC team that is going to be the best fit for you. I'm not necessarily the best fit DJ for all of my clients. You know, if they have uh, if if they have a certain type of music that they like, and I know that I have a DJ that is really passionate about that, I would way rather that DJ was, you know, put on that event with that client because not only are they going to connect musically and have more fun at the event, um, it's it's easier for them and they'll have fun and they'll enjoy it. So the DJ likes the work, the clients love the DJ, and the company is happy because everyone's happy. Um, but that's been a really successful tool to separate me from being the person that gets assigned to every event. Um, like, obviously, I will still assign myself if staffing requires it. Mm -hmm. um, but now, for the most part, I only go out when I'm specifically requested, and they have to pay a premium for that. Nice, nice. Do you have a do you have a DJ on staff that would uh, be ideal for me to work with if I primarily want RuPaul's greatest tits and want my that would be me. To sound like you a should. drag show? Yeah, you, you definitely want me or Austin on that one. <laughs> um, I mean, Aaron could definitely hook you up. Okay, um, okay. But yes. <laughs> okay, great, great. We, right. I should say as well, we, we do focus on, um, you know, uh, LGBTQ, uh, like DJ MCs for sure. And like, we have a pretty strong foothold in that, uh, uh, what's the word, niche, if uh -huh. you will. Like, we're definitely known as like a, uh, LGBTQ owned and operated business, but that obviously doesn't mean like we're exclusively, um, doing those types of events at all. Yeah. Um, you know, I actually do quite a few events for like the Orthodox Jewish community. Uh, so maybe, you know, like groups that maybe you wouldn't think right off the bat would want to like support LGBTQ owned uh -huh. and operated companies. I don't know if there's like a connect there. I don't even know if they're like putting the pieces together, but, um, <laughs> I don't, I don't think they care. You know, I've never had anyone say anything or make anyone feel too uncomfortable um, at one of those events. But I mean, for us, it's a focus of finding, recruiting and um, working with 
DJs and who 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 fit that category because there's really not too many of them. It's still a very uh, cishet dominated uh, oh, space yes. for sure. Yes. Well, maybe ten years from now, when um, Drag Tax, my other business, is really rolling, right. we'll like book you for some kind of a holiday party. That'd be fun. We can do it at like Trixie Motel or something. Heck yeah. I mean, we're really lucky. We get to work with drag queens all the time. I do a lot of nightlife as well. And I was playing at a bar over here called Queer Bar last summer. So I got to work with like Candy Muse and La La Ree and all these really awesome drag talents. And a lot of the local Seattle scene is now kind of hitting the national stage. So uh -huh. we used to work with Bosco all the time. And when uh, Irene Dubois is going to be on next season, uh -huh. and she's like literally one of our favorite drag queens that we've ever met. Like we adore her. Um, and so, yeah, we're so lucky to kind of have that connection with all of this and it's totally coincidental, but, um, okay. Yeah. I'm going to send you, I'm going to mail you a stack of business cards for you to hand all these drag queens. Hell yeah. We'll do. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So let's get into some more numbers on your PNL. Um, my first question for you. So you had salary, salary totaled a hundred, I'm going to round up $106,000 is that your salary plus all your employee salary or what does that number break down? That is a fabulous question. I wish my accountant was on this call right now <laughs> because <laughs> we're going to be uh, like chatting with them um, in the, in the, like we we're trying to get everything done like January one so we can file our taxes and apply for uh, pre-approval for a mortgage. So we're trying to get everything wrapped this uh, at end of the year here really soon um, I wish I had a better answer for you on that, but I am not entirely sure if that is all my employee salary and mine's included in that, or if it's not. Um, I'm assuming it would be. Do you know what your employee salary is? You don't. You don't have to share that if you don't want. I to think, but no, I think that tracks as far as what I've paid out to my employees this year. I do believe it's around a hundred thousand dollars. That makes sense. Okay. So if I add it up, own, everybody else's. Yeah, your own. You sorry, you said that tracks for your own salary or that tracks for how much you would have paid other people. Uh, I don't I, I guess I guess the question is is that salary figure, is there an owner draw on the PL that no, you're so you at? just show you show payroll fees, payroll taxes, payroll wages, and salaries. And then the total for those things is 113. So it feels a little low, I have to say, because if I'm including my own salary in that, I yeah. think that it is not including that but um, yeah I, would, I don't I would agree you know, if you have that many employees then I don't okay. pay myself all that much to be perfectly honest which yeah. is probably I've not my you know good or bad whatever but I pretty much just pay myself two thousand dollars every two weeks to cover my personal expenses okay so that's that's that would be about four thousand dollars a month then so like 40 40 to fifty thousand dollars a year yeah that tracks okay nice okay cool I think I'm on like pretty much the exact same payroll schedule. I think mine is, yeah, it's 2000 and then it costs me like $2,300 to pay the company taxes. And then of course I get like 1600 is like how much is actually deposited uh, right, when I do my yeah. payroll, my payroll cycles. Okay, so that's helpful. Um, probably have a couple. So I actually, I'm going to share this screen with you because I don't think I shared it with you earlier. Um, and uh, hold on, let me turn my screen share on. So we're looking at the same thing. Um, I like to take the PLs I get and like put them into the spreadsheet because it's easier for me to look at. Look how fun and pretty that is. Yeah. Okay, so I'm gonna change, you know what? I'm gonna pause this real quick, just a second. Okay, we just take a quick pause to do some math because we love math. Um, let's continue, let's continue our breakdown um, and get into some of these uh, fun expenses. Well, first I, I wanna talk about this. So you had a couple of different kinds of income. The vast majority, 96% of your income is called service income. That's probably just, I'm assuming all your DJ fees. Um, product sales, 3.5%, uh, $16,500. What's that? Um, I'm, uh, it's a great question. Like I said, I wish my account was here, um, but <laughs> I don't know if my photo booth sales are getting categorized as products because we do charge sales tax on them oh so probably yeah perhaps that's what that is but i i'm shocked to see that we would only sell 16k of photo booths because i am certain we've done more than that um 
So I'm not sure. I hope I don't get in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> well, something, uh, put that on your, put that on your to discuss list with the accountant. Well, so that's the thing. I, I, I do have a little bit of a to discuss list. And I think I told you a little bit about that. Um, at least with one particular month that I looked at and I was like, uh, can you guys like double check that there's not a bunch of like double coded stuff in here? Uh-huh. Um, and it was double coded like, income or expenses income and expenses like everything looked wrong it was like october of this year just like made no sense to me and i was like this doesn't seem right um okay. so i mean these are not final numbers is not what we're sending to the irs right, like right, definitely right. We're, we're still going to make sure we cross our t's and dot our i's and get all this stuff figured out before year so yes perfect don't worry i'm not going to mail this to the irs this is just hypothetical yeah. educational conversation kind of i stuff. would assume that's what that is including primarily but you're not like you're not selling like sixteen thousand dollars worth of orion brandon merchandise <laughs> i wish no <laughs> i was like you got not. a merch store that'd be pretty pretty cool i do okay. have a merch store orion.apparel.store i think it's something like that so all right go buy merch people um emily will put that in the show notes for us so we'll have it in there we'll check it out it's okay so stuff. let's get into these line items we're not going to go through every one but i'll ask like some of them we'll just highlight super quick so First one, marketing, $12,000. I would say that's uh, four, That's roughly 2.5% of your revenue. So pretty low. Um, what primary low. marketing are you doing? Yeah, uh, it seems low for a couple of reasons. One, because I know that I shell about $1,000 a month out to SEO. Uh-huh. Um, so that eats up that entirety of that category. For like a consultant so, that does your uh, SEO? Yeah, I mean, I use an outside company that just does all of that. So they do our SEO, they do some blogging, um, and they uh, that is our biggest marketing expense. Uh, we also are ad- advertisers on The Knot and Wedding Wire, and that probably costs about 500 some $600 a month. Um, so I know that my marketing expense should be a little bit higher than that, certainly. And then um, I know I would categorize anything related to social media expenses. I mean, I guess, you know, the majority of what we are actively doing on a marketing standpoint would be social media. And that doesn't cost us a whole lot. We don't right. pay to promote yeah. posts or anything like that. Um, and then we do a lot, a lot, a lot of uh, like event sponsorship, like for WIPA, ILEA, NACE, and MPI. Nice. Um, like we're always trying to do those types of events. So, okay, cool. So mostly going into SEO consulting and then, you know, those events are probably like a secondary category. Um, auto expenses. So I was curious about this one, but you kind of already alluded to it earlier. You said you have three different, three different vehicles. Yeah. Um, those are, I presume all owned by the company. Uh, I believe two are technically owned by Orion Entertainment, and then one is owned by David Schwartz, the person. Nice. So that's a nineteen thousand dollar expense. Did you did you buy those or lease those? Yeah, they're all purchased. Um, so I would imagine that's including. Is this including like gas and? Uh, yeah, I combined like four and, categories okay. into this one. Okay. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So that um. That's that's probably right. Um. You know, just making sure that the cars are car trouble is like the one of the biggest you know that that can mess something up for one of our yeah. big days if one of our cars is not working right so. and are these like vans that have your name on them or what yep. kind of so one of them is a branded vehicle that is entirely owned by the company um and it was paid for at the end of 2020 um we purchased that vehicle nice yeah, I like to ask those questions because people like want to buy cars for their business all the time. And the vast majority of people I interview, like it doesn't actually make sense for them to have a company car. Um, you're kind of the exception, right? Um, Desiree was another exception because, you know, she's a bakery and they do wedding cake deliveries, right? But most of us, like myself, I work in a home office. Like there's no reason why my Mini Cooper should be owned by my business when I go to like all of one networking event, like per, per month for work. <laughs> Yeah, no, we we are constantly driving for work. Yeah, so. cool, cool. Okay, uh, bank fees, we can skip. Uh, we all have bank fees. That's just, you know, cost of doing business. Clothing, um, is that like uh, Orion Entertainment? Uh, yeah, so, and I have talked to my accountant about this and asked if this, these are valid business expenses, but any clothes I wear to a performance or to a show can qualify under uh, this basically is like uh, wardrobe, you know? Uh-huh. Um, and then on top of that, yes, branded merchandise. Um, so that number looks like it could easily be correct. 
Okay, cool. Um, then we have, we're going to skip over continuing education unless there's anything juicy there that you want to mention, but pretty small category. Um, you have contractors 4K, subcontractors almost 19K. Can you tell us what the difference between those two categories would be, if you know? Oh, gee. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure I do. And that would definitely be a conversation I need to have with my accountant as well. Um, okay. But we did transition everyone this year. So like yeah. the hope is that next year we probably shouldn't have that category. And if we do, it should be very small. Sure. Um, but there was a period where... Um, Oh, you know what this might be? It might be like co contractors, like people we hired to do events for us versus like contractors that we hired to do like services. Yeah. Yeah. So generally I would call a subcontractor, like that would be another DJ in your business. Yeah. Whereas like the contractor expense, like I would actually put your SEO person under that. So they like, they could be under that or marketing, but it's Got more it. of like a you're hiring someone for like expertise outside of your expertise. Right. Yeah. I, I would imagine that's what the difference is between some of those there. I'm not sure which one you're calling what, but uh, sure. Uh, and this looks a little <laughs> bit different. It looks a little bit different than, you know, whatever I, I sent over to you. So, um, but I would say, I think towards it, we made the decision to transfer everyone from contractor to employee, like probably a quarter of the way through the year. So all of our people were getting paid as contractors for the first couple months. And then we had everyone switch over. Okay, cool. Yeah, contractors on your PL, so just called uh, contract labor. Um, okay, awesome, awesome, awesome. Um, expensed asset was probably, I'm assuming that was like one big purchase, if you recall. No, it's probably, so every speaker that we buy, every, anything that we consider inventory that we're going to use in our DJ work gets put in that category. So microphones and speakers and cables and all that stuff. I mean, that the cables are really expensive <laughs> and we yeah. buy them by the, you know, like bucket load basically so okay uh, cool that all gets put into that category um basically all the dj equipment that i buy like dj controllers super expensive and it all has really high resale value as well nice. um, so it does get put in that category cool so that i'm assuming we're probably calling it expensed assets i'm guessing your accountant's probably gonna fully write it off rather than depreciate it awesome. um <laughs> love it uh, all right. Insurance. That's probably just like your liability. Well, I think I combined some of these, I combined multiple categories, but liability insurance, workers comp insurance, all that good stuff. Um, internet self-explanatory what, uh, watch job supplies. That's a big one. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, stuff like, uh, gaff tape, battery, dolly, uh, jeepers, anything that is related <laughs> to the execution of, these events uh, that cool. isn't directly related to DJing. I think there's a lot of crossover between expense asset and like job supplies for us. Yeah. Like everything we do is a job, you know, Supply. Uh, like yeah. all the, yeah. I mean, it's hard to say what is getting categorized as what, like, you know, a trip to Costco where we buy, um, well, I guess that'd be like office supplies or something like that. Yeah. Um, well, it could be any, it really could be any of those three things. Yeah. Well, yeah. It, it could, it really just comes down to like your personal philosophy, where you want to put that, like you and your yeah. accountant. Yeah. Um, okay. Professional services. So this is an interesting one too. Like, pro oh, professional services. Um, that is actually typically accountant and legal fees. So that could be your accountant line. I'm not sure. Um, yeah, uh, that and like our, uh, our HR person that I mentioned, but we work with like other people like that. So whenever I kind of face an encounter where I'm like, this is not my specialty. I'm like, can <laughs> we bring on whose specialty it is so that we can do this correctly. Um, you just, this past week, we've been working with somebody we met at wedding MBA where we met, I don't know if you've talked to wedding tech BFF, but uh, they've uh, kind of gone in and done, done an overhaul of our automations and our CRM and clean things up for us. So we're always looking at ways to improve our um, efficiency and making sure we're evolving and doing things correctly. So that's definitely a category that we uh, hire not infrequently. So nice. Okay, cool. Uh, meals, uh, is this one, um, like a lot of your employee meals, like during gigs and stuff or you, yeah. Just, so uh, we, we, you know, like eating to like transport from event, like stops at restaurants and whatnot, uh, nice. 
So I, I've been told that my meal expense might get a little bit high, <laughs> but, uh, you know, we, we work from home and Austin and I are both employees of the company. So if we need to buy a pizza and put that on the company card and keep working, then that certainly qualifies for me. So. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, I would say when it comes to the meals, ask your, talk to your, talk to your accountant about it, but, uh, percentage wise, 3% of revenue, not, I mean, it's a little high, but it's like not astronomical. Um, yeah. I think it sounds pretty reasonable, uh, music expense. This was something that was like surprising to me when I saw it, but then also not surprising because you're a DJ. I just don't see it on other PNLs. Right. So tell us how that works. Like, yeah. or do you have to like buy each track and then you can like use it as much as you want? Or do you just pay like some extra high, like premium tier of Apple music or Spotify? I, I have great, no idea. Great question. So I pay for like so many streaming services. So there's that, but that almost falls under the category of music research as opposed to actually music acquisition. Uh -huh. So uh, what I mean by that is if a client wants a certain song for their first dance, um, I will go on iTunes and I will pay $1.89 for just that one track that I buy. I do that all the time. I shell out anywhere from 50 to a hundred dollars sometimes for music on just one event. That is, that would be the high end for sure. But like usually about like 20 bucks, it gets spent just on specific music that clients want. Um, for the most part, when it comes to like dance music and, and mainstream music, um, we have several, what are called record pools that we subscribe to. So those are anywhere from $20 to $50 a month that allow us to download unlimited uh, songs that are available on those websites. They're usually edited so that they're easier for DJs to mix. Um, but <clears throat> a lot of the stuff I buy is one-off tracks. Or if I have a DJ set coming up and I need some new tracks uh, for a club gig, you know, there's a, a site called Beatport that I go on and I have to buy those tracks individually. So music is really expensive and a lot yeah. of new DJs do not understand that. And they're like, oh, like, you know, why aren't my mixes sounding good? And it's like, well, you're not getting the right kind of music. Like it's so helpful for a DJ to have the, if you don't have the right tools, you're not going to have a good, uh, you know, it's not going to create good work. So it's really important to get good audio files uh, that are designed for to be mixed so that it makes it easier to mix them. And then it creates a better product at the end of the day. So do you uh, sometimes have like 20 versions of the same song that are just oh like man. remixed differently? Yeah, I really <laughs> do. And it's, it's a lot. How do you uh, organize all that? Not well. Um, first <laughs> of all, it's, it's so it's crazy. I know it sounds wild, but it's all up here. Um, okay. Like I know what all the songs are and like what what the keywords are to type in to find the one that I want. Um, so uh, I wish I wish my my crate organization was a little bit better, but uh, I do yeah. have like um, so for weddings I have like what I call my clutch crates. So it's like party starters and then like late night millennial and. Um, <laughs> you know, stuff like that. So when I realize, okay, yeah, I'm always adding to those. So I'm trying to keep them fresh, but, uh, <clears throat> uh, and then I have like, okay, like, uh, yeah, I have like a place called like a night in Mumbai and then like salsa dancing. And then like, so different like places I can go if I encounter certain crowds, certainly. What's the biggest party starter for a millennial age demographic? Oh, um, well, so that's, that's almost a trick question because the party starter category, I almost exclusively reserve for like the start of a wedding. Right. So that almost is never just a group of millennials. It's almost always a wide range uh, yeah. of ages and backgrounds. So I'm usually starting it off with uh, Whitney Houston. I want to dance with somebody yeah, into September. I'm actually coming out with a reel like very soon. It has like my top five party starters. So Stay tuned. Okay, cool, cool. Oh, yeah, yeah. I feel like "Dance with Somebody" is a great song to play just if you need to get people off their ass, even if they're gonna sit down. Like they're all gonna be singing it. So, oh, it almost always works. And there's like sometimes what photographers will do is they'll have a group photo on the dance floor right before the party starts, which is like so frustrating because the easiest way to start a dance floor is to already have people dancing and then invite more people to dance mm -hmm. and then transition into something upbeat after that. But I figure I realized that almost every time a photographer 
does a group photo before dancing starts, the last picture that they take, they're like, all right, everybody put their hands up and say, woo. And so when that happens, I just hit the woo on, I want to dance with somebody and their hands are already up. They're already saying woo. And then the dance party just starts after. Perfect. That. Love that. <laughs> I decided maybe a future business, I'm going to do like a wedding vendor mediation services where I bring in all the different vendors and we like mediate their needs as like a fun skill. Awesome. I'm in videographer groups and I'm in photographer groups on Facebook and it's really fun seeing them bitch about each other, like in their own private Facebook groups. I'm sure. Yeah. 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 It's fun though, because then I used to always work with photographers and I only ever heard their side of the story. And now I get like, I get the, I get, I get to see the video clips and Facebook groups from the videographers where it's just like the photographer in the middle of the aisle and like you can't, you can't see anything else and vice versa. Yeah. Good times. Good times. Um, oh, I did have another question. Can we talk real quick about, um, kind of like your, we already kind of talked about your client packages. Do you ever pass the music costs on to your client or you're just like, they're paying Never. me and then I eat the no. cost? Yeah. I, something I've definitely considered before, especially when like I'm sitting there and I'm buying my 200th song and I'm like, are you freaking kidding yeah. me? Like way to have the most eclectic music taste of anyone I've okay. ever seen. Cause I almost, I already have so much. So if I'm like buying a large quantity of music, it's just like, you know, head pounding to the table because I'm like, come on, like, you don't like, why can't you just like what everybody else likes? Um, but you know, that we, that's part of what we do. And, and, and I always tell people I'm like, you know, whatever you want, like we mm -hmm. can make that happen for you. So I, the way I see it is that it should be built into the cost of your DJ service. If you're not, if you're not doing that, it means you're not paying for music, which means you're making money on the backs of what other people have created without right. actually supporting that. So do I do you I, ever, I, do you ever take that into consideration and send custom proposals? If you know, based on like your, it's inquiry? just, it's almost it's never going to hurt me that much. It's yeah. so rare that that expense per event really exceeds, um, you know, too much. But what I do do is I do reimburse my DJs for it. So if my DJs yeah. have to buy a hundred dollars worth of music, I, they can expense that and I add it to their pay. Nice. Do you, but then do you have some mechanism for you to be like the owner of all that music or do you like have DJs that are, that's like a great each question. One of them could buy the same song, like, and then that's a really good question. I, it's like, not, okay. it's not centralized in that uh -huh. way. And I, I don't know if there's a way I could certainly, if I wanted to invest in the time and energy to build up that infrastructure for myself, uh -huh. um, I certainly might be able to figure that out, but it's, it's hard to do because they're you know in their house prepping the music and it needs to be on their laptop and their hard drive that we provide for them so we give them a hard drive with like a lot of the music we do have already uh -huh. um so i basically copy that when i get a new dj and then give it to them uh and then they i tell them to add to it and, and to make it their own as well i'm assuming you can't just put like one million songs in google drive like downloading them from the cloud nah, all the time yeah no i don't think that that would work um, yeah no okay um well, that was fun. I think that's uh, something, I, I don't know, maybe like maybe other wedding professionals who aren't DJs do think about those kind of things, but it's not something that I've ever really thought about. So it's fun to get your perspective on it. Clients but, ask us all the time, like, how do you guys get your music? And um, iTunes, you buy you it. Know, mostly. <laughs> nice. Nice. Okay. So we talked about, uh, we talked about payroll stuff, um, office supplies. We can skip that one. Probably not real sexy um photo booth software relatively self-explanatory we have um printing wonderful taxes and licenses that's mostly i would assume sales tax is probably most of that twenty four thousand dollars if i had to guess maybe i mean we shell out a lot of money in taxes yeah just quarterly and uh state and then federal and then what's your company structure are you an escort uh, we are LLCS, I think. So yeah. Yeah. An LLC tax as an S. I, I, I definitely need to touch base with my tax pro on that and make sure that that is the case. But I think that that is what we are. Okay, cool. Yeah, let's let's talk to the tax person about that one. Um, because we can't write off, uh, and of course your tax person will know this, but we can't write off our income taxes, like our quarterly tax payments. So this would be like other taxes and licenses and stuff. Mm. Um okay cell phone that's a 
I was gonna say, at first I was like, that's not a lot of money, but that's like definitely more than like I pay for myself every month. So are you paying employee, like employee cell phone costs reimbursement? Um, I think that may include Austin's uh-huh. phone expenses. Is that your fiance? Yes. Okay, um, cool. I also, so I think what gets looped into there might be some of the iPad data plans. Oh, okay. Or we have like, uh, and that all gets put on our T-Mobile. You know, so whatever. Yeah, that makes sense. It's $2,800. God, Jesus. I think I have, I pay for my Apple watch now. So I think just my personal bill is $150 a month. Yeah, mine's so, like 249 289 or something. Yeah, yeah. So then that, so that, that would sense. check out. Um, yeah. Okay. Travel, 11000 Um, I know you travel like a ton to do gigs and stuff. So yeah, it seems like pretty well within, you know, well within reason. Um, well, and we do a lot of like, so even in state, we have a lot of in-state destinations that we do. So anything over two hours away, we require two nights of hotel. A lot of the stuff that we do is in this place called the San Juan Islands, which I don't know if you're familiar, but they're uh, remote islands in Washington. They're not that remote, but you have to take a ferry to get to them and it's just a whole mess so we make sure that the client sends us up the day before and they have to do two nights hotel for that so um that's nice. not uncommon at all for us to have to pay for hotel and travel and are you booking all of that and then getting reimbursement or do they book um, for yeah you? so now uh we actually build it in we have specific pricing for the islands because we're up there so much uh-huh. Um, that we we build the hotel costs into the package price and we don't even involve the client with it. Okay, cool, cool. A lot of people get can a lot of people get real tripped up on that when they're doing this kind of stuff. So to briefly explain to all the listeners, if you're gonna say my normal package, I'm just gonna make numbers up. You can give me example numbers if you want. But if you're gonna say, you know, my normal thing is two thousand dollars, I'm gonna charge twenty five hundred dollars for this like regular kind of thing. Then you have twenty five hundred dollars in income, and then presumably about a five hundred dollar deduction that we're gonna track in that category. Um, a lot of people like just don't think that they have to record that or report it, but that's how it works. Um, you do have, uh, so we have uncategorized, uh, uncategorized uh, utilities. Um, website is $12,000. I'm wondering if that could also be your SEO person or if that's other website costs. Yeah, I wonder, uh, because that would make sense. And that would kind of figure out where did that like 12K go and how it wears the rest of my marketing budget. So I wonder uh-huh. if they are putting that in there. Um, yeah, I could see that 12K being your SEO person. And then the 12, they're also my web, they're also my site builder as well. So your website builder. Yeah. Nice. So that makes sense. Okay. So we've gone through the general categories, um, overview revenue around 460, um, up to this point expenses were 300, um, for, I call this an owner profit of 157,000. Um, owner profit is a term that I make up, but my audience, my listeners should be well aware of that. And then you have your salary, uh, your salary uh, that we estimated, and then the profit you have after that. Um, do you want to talk Those numbers about- make sense. They seem to, they seem to make sense to me. Just right. Kind of, okay, good, yeah. good, good. So when you go to like, talk about your mortgage stuff, um, essentially for proof of income, you're going to have this number and you're going to have this number, which essentially shows what your personal benefit is from the company. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. cool. So, cause I talked to someone about this the other day and they were like, well, don't I need to, cause they have an S corp and my, all my listeners should know that in an S corp, the lower your salary is, the more you save in taxes, but they were trying to get approved for a house. So they said, don't I need to like pay myself a much higher salary so I can get approved for a mortgage? And I said, well, no, not necessarily because you're going to get your W-2 for your salary, but the mortgage lender should also look at the profit from the business because this is is hypothetically the amount that you should have it available to pull out in owner's draws if you so choose to right. do so. Yeah. Um, so I call this uh, the profit, the profit pie. <laughs> That's what I call it. You have the blue part of the pie chart is the amount that goes to expenses. The uh, orange part is your owner's salary. And then the green part is uh, your profit. So I always set my business, I have um, goals of what I want my profit pie to look like uh, every year. And of course, this is going to look a lot different depending on the kind of expenses you have. So my goal is to target 35 to 40% expenses. Uh, you're at 65, but you also have six 
like six employees, which is like the huge difference. Sure. Yeah. Um, do you have targets that you look at um, for these numbers, like for yourself? Um, only in the sense of like, I, we're definitely intentional about our profit. So we have read, or we, I've, I've read profit first and definitely subscribe to that um, strategy. Uh-huh. Um, so everything that like comes in right off the top gets uh, like 20, I think 30% gets dumped into savings. So like nice. right away, so that these two numbers that add up to about like what 35% here, that like makes sense to me. Um, because that's kind of the number I'm shooting for, uh, but maybe I should be more conservative. So, um, it, it, it depends. Um, it really, so like I had one of my favorite interviews I did was with my friend, Rachel, and she's a copywriter for photographers. Um, and her profit was on the lower side, but she shared that she works about two hours, like she works about two hours a day and she subcontracts out most of her work. So I asked her, um, I said, well, would you trade? Um, would you increase your profit by 10 more percent to work X number more hours per day? And she said, absolutely, absolutely not. So um, I always tell people to think about profit in terms of work-life balance as well, because time is the one thing that we can't really account for super well in a pie chart. Definitely. And that's, I think the biggest focus for us next year as well is actually really finding balance with everything. Like we had a record year, we did incredible, but we also... Um, it was really challenging. Like we are just constantly, you know, doing DJ gigs. And when you're uh-huh. doing, uh, you know, you wake up at 10 a.m. for your to start your wedding day, and then you do a wedding, and then after that, you're doing a nightclub from you know 11. Like literally tomorrow, I have an event from. Let's see, it starts at like six, it goes to 10, and then I have a, a set from like 11 p.m. to like 3 a.m. at the club. So it's yeah. like that 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 takes a lot out of you and you have to recover from that yeah Um, and 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 we tend to binge these things so like this week is going to be crazy 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 for me and then uh like next week it's like crickets it's like nothing right so it's like you you just kind of but but that can burn people out and like i'm i i have signed up for it very willingly and like i put these things on my own calendar but now that we're asking our employees to like step up to the plate and like take on a a lot of responsibilities and a lot of these events so that our lives can be a little bit more manageable um you know that we had we had some burnout this year and we had some people who decided they're not going to come back and uh you know i don't think that i overbooked this one person in particular, but I think they're just deciding they want to reassess what they're they're doing. Uh-huh. And I basically gave him a full season and was like, here you go. This is what it's going to be like if you want to be a, a full-time professional DJ. Like this is the rigor of that. But on top of it, they're doing their other jobs as well. So uh, I know they have their, some of them have their nine to fives and then on their weekends they're doing stuff for me. So they don't have a whole lot of free time either. And I think that contributed a lot to the uh, feeling of burnout that we had at the end of this year. So um, that's a huge focus for us moving forward is finding balance and making sure that we can keep people long term and keep ourselves in in this game long term. Otherwise, we're gonna, uh, you know, what's the word? So is the is the plan for that? Uh, I I see like three potential solutions. There could be more, but hire more people. Uh, hire hire more people. Take fewer events. Or I would say the third one is just to like spread the events out more evenly so they don't come in like waves as much. What do you like, what's kind of your goal? For yeah, it's just tough. Cause we don't, it's so seasonal here. Uh, and and especially get, in Washington, yeah. like it, there's just a window of when you'll have nice weather. Right. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, so it's just, it's very seasonal from May through September. We had a great October, like it, it did spread out a little bit. And I think this year is going to be a little bit, uh, of an anomaly as far as like the volume of events that were done. I think it was higher and people are saying we may have a dip next year. Um, but yeah, I think, I think staying one thing that'll help is staying true to our structure of like only booking myself for events that I've been specifically requested and paid to be on, uh, as opposed to just being like, Oh, well, I'm available. I may as well do it. Um, and mm-hmm. instead giving that opportunity to somebody else so that I can, you know, just not work that day. 
Nice. Yeah, I, I, li I like that game plan. Another thing I was, was kind of thinking about when it comes to the profitability, this is something I need to remember to talk about during tax season, is I always like to talk about what I call quality of life business deductions. Um, and those are, those are usually things that we would buy even if we didn't have a business, but because of the way that our tax code is written, we we're allowed to write them off. So meals is a great example, right? Like we're going to eat regardless, <laughs> regardless of whether we're working, but if it's business related, we get to deduct it. So what I like to do is every tax season, I make a duplicate of my P&L and I take out everything I would consider a quality of life business expense. So like my cell phone, I'd already be paying for my meals. I'd already be paying for some travel, right? So like, I really want to go uh, to the Caribbean to do a speaking engagement next year but I'm going to be like speaking for a day and vacationing for four and I'm going to fully write it off. Uh, of another example um, for Christmas, my husband asked me to set him up a home office. It's not technically my office, but it's all office furniture and it's all going on my business credit card. Like don't tell the IRS, but I think I could probably <laughs> argue it. So like that kind of stuff. Um, I take that off. And to me, um, it's on there for tax purposes, but then I take it off and it actually gives me like a better at a glance view of the actual financial health of my business. Cause those aren't really things that I have to pay for to run my business. It's just like things I get to write off. If that makes any kind of sense. Mm -hmm. Totally. Yeah. Rant and rave. Um, that's one of my things I like to do. That's the fun thing about having your own podcast is I get to get on here and rant and rave about all of my fun things. Um, Okay, fun, fun, fun. Anything else you want to you wanna chat about and share? I think we covered like most all the topics. It was super fun. Yeah, I mean, is there anything that, you know, from your point of view that you were like, well, this looks like a red flag or, you know, something that <laughs> needs to be done here? Well, I generally don't like to raise red flags um, on the podcast unsolicited because I, feel like, I'm, <laughs> I feel like I'm uh, kind of accosting my guests. Um, but since you asked, dun, dun, drum, I need a drum. Do you have a drum roll sound effect? Uh, it's got to be on here somewhere. Nope. Crickets. Oh, okay. All right. Next time. Um, I, I did that for dramatic effect. I really don't see any like big red flags on your PL. Like I said, like meals is like a tiny bit high, but it was what, like two to 3% of your revenue. Um, so it's not really even, I don't even think it's like out of like out of whack or anything. Um, if I was going to, I'm a big fan of just organizing my PL so that it makes the most sense um, to me. So again, the, the summary I gave is not a true care, uh, true representation of what you sent me because I changed, changed a few things. Um, but like contractors, subcontractors versus like your website versus your marketing, like those kind of things are not red flags because the IRS doesn't give a shit, but I would just consider like maybe relabeling them or breaking them, um, uh, just making them so like at a glance, you know exactly what they are. Uh, mm -hmm. But all of your numbers, like percentage wise, the amount you're spending on certain categories, I don't know, it all, all makes a ton of sense. It almost looks like we should be spending more on marketing if I'm not mistaken like it seems so small like isn't your marketing budget supposed to be like 20 percent of your overall uh, well it depends i would assume that you probably if are you do you get a lot of people through seo since you're i mean yeah uh, i would say we get like it's like half from referrals like vendor referral former clients uh and like planners that we work with and yeah. just word of mouth and then the rest is like all online so you cool. know either web or social yeah, I was going to say, because for most people, like word of mouth is going to be the biggest category, which you don't, you know, really have to pay for. And so um, if you combined website, like I would kind of combine website and marketing, and then it would be $24,000 or roughly like 5%, 5 to 6% of revenue. Sure. Yeah. Like that sounds pretty good um, for your line of business. I also work with a lot of online business owners, like other course creators, and sometimes they'll have much larger marketing expenses because they're spending a lot on Facebook ads in particular. Sure. Right. Um, like for me, if I can spend $1,000 on Facebook ads and bring in $4,000, like that's a no-brainer that ROI, but that's it's still a 25% expense, which looks big on paper, but like makes sure. sense as an investment. Um. So yeah, I'd be curious. I'd be curious to hear um, some of our some of our, like our wedding industry marketing expert friends on what they think people should put towards marketing. But as a whole, I would say in this industry, like 
I probably wouldn't tell people to like spend more than 10%. And I would think that 5% is like probably pretty normal. Um, I'm actually going to be working. Oh yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say like, what is the value of categorizing things a certain way? So like, for example, let's say I have an employee right now who is almost exclusively working on marketing. So he's doing a lot of help with our social media and he's doing um, stuff like that. You know, is there any sort of benefit or reason that I'd want to categorize that as a marketing expense versus a contract labor versus a salary no. expense? Like, what is the re- is it just you look at this stuff so that you can be like, oh, it's cool. I'm spending 5% on marketing. Oh, this is how much I'm spending on auto. Um, like, does it really matter though? Is my yeah. Question. So, for tax purposes, it rarely matters. Um, most of this stuff is what I call a net neutral, like a net neutral tax decision, meaning like contract labor, marketing, um, all of that stuff's 100% deductible. So, it doesn't matter where you put it. Now, if you misclassified something as like a meal expense, like for example, um, if you throw like a like a like a holiday party and you buy food for that. I believe in that case, the food's like 100% deductible, whereas like a normal business meal is only 50% deductible. And in that case, it matters. But otherwise, it's just so you can look at your P&L and like see how much you're spending, like how much money is going to your marketing budget. Um, and there's really no perfect way to organize it. And a lot of the organization's also going to depend on like how you want to see it and also how your accountant wants to see it. And sometimes you don't want to see things the same way. So you got to like compromise a little bit. Um, but yeah, if that helps. Yeah, cool. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Um, all right. One thing I'm looking forward to doing, if all of my guests are um, willing to let me share these numbers, is I'm going to be working on a really fun blog post where I actually do some compare and contrast uh, with different industries, actually using the numbers sent to us by the guests. Um, because I think it's fun to see like, oh, this business spent 2% on marketing, this person spent 10%, um, but then in other categories, they were different. Just because... Um, everyone's like in the dark when it comes to these numbers because most of the times people just don't want to share them so it's fun to get like real life examples of what other people are doing yeah no i mean it's 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 it almost feels like you're not allowed to like you're not <laughs> like there's some rule that like don't show anyone your what how much money you make you uh -huh. know or yeah or or how much money you're taking home yeah you know on top of that so um yeah no i think it's crazy and cool that you even do this podcast and uh, you you were like oh send me your pnl i was like i already feel naked like <laughs> <laughs> well this is why um this is why i tell people i do a monthly profit report on the podcast and my own finances and that's my way of like putting my money where my mouth is so to speak it's like i can't ask other people to do it if i'm not willing to do it so mm -hmm. um we're always very appreciative when we have guests that are willing to share their numbers so thanks so much yeah thank you Okay, final question. Very high pressure, very high stakes. Are you ready? Oh, hit me. Okay, so all of my guests um, know, or all of my listeners know, that if they want to be one of my besties, they need to go join my Facebook group, Braden's Besties, on Facebook. They can follow me on Instagram as well. But if any of them want to become one of your besties, what's the best mm. way for them to connect with you? Yes, uh, Instagram is probably the best way. Uh, it's uh, Orion underscore ENT Orion spelled O R I O N like the constellation underscore ENT short for entertainment. Beautiful. We will get that in the show notes. Um, thanks everyone for tuning in and thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. Hey there, before you go, I wanted to give a quick thanks. Thanks so much for tuning into the show. If you loved it, I would love for you to take a screenshot of the episode or snap a quick selfie while you are listening. Share it on social and give me a tag. It'll help other kick-ass entrepreneurs like yourself find the show. That's it for today. I'll be back soon with a new episode. Meanwhile, let's roll up our sleeves and unfuck that biz.